left off two weeks ago. I have never had anything as challenging to teach as this. It's like I keep running at this. It's kind of like, it reminds me of that story Brother Hagen told about the glory of God being in the bedroom of that house and that and granny would go, try to go in the bedroom and she'd bounce off the door <laughs> and she'd back up and she'd get a running start of it at it and she'd run towards that bedroom door and she'd bounce back she couldn't get in the bedroom for the glory well it's like the glory is so thick on this teaching that it's like I keep running at the door and bouncing off of it. <laughs> Hallelujah. But we did get some started on it two weeks ago. Prophecy 101 is what I'm calling it. And I know that down through the years that uh, we have probably studied the gifts of the Spirit, but not as much in recent years. Back, We used to study that a lot back in the early days. Now, when we talk about the early days, we're talking about the 80s. <laughs> Used to, when we said the early days, we was talking about Azusa Street but and the 1900s, early 1900s. But now the early days are the 80s. And so, um, praise God. And nobody's ever heard of anybody I've ever heard of. They don't know the songs I know. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Uh, so um, in Acts 3, verse 22, in study and prophecy, we're going to have a little review for a minute because it has been two weeks. Acts 3, verse 22, For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me. Him shall you hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. That is talking about Jesus. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Yea, and from and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. Verse 25 is what we're really headed for. Ye are the children of of the prophets and of the covenant. So we're children of the prophets and children of anybody. We get to partake of what our fathers, the prophets, uh, partook of. So hallelujah. You are a child of the prophets. So to, I want to review real quickly the purposes of prophecy. We're not studying tonight the fivefold ministry gift of prophets. Not very much anyway. We may refer to it, but not studying it. Uh, we're going to study about just prophecy and prophecy in the church and how what the purpose of having prophecy in the church and prophecy not just in the church but in the workplace, prophecy when you go out on the streets to minister and what the purposes of that could be. Number one, when we uh, uh, our, develop prophecy in our lives and we go out into the highways and the hedges we can look for treasure by prophecy we talked about two weeks ago that the price of something always determines, determines its value the price that was paid for something determines its value and Jesus paid a tremendous price for mankind so that means that man mankind has tremendous value to God. In fact, people are God's treasures. And he wants us to lay up treasures in heaven. Hallelujah. I think too, too much we've looked at that as money, but people are what God really, really, really treasures. Amen. And so people are treasures. And so prophecy helps us find helps us look for treasure. We go out and with prophecy, we can find the treasures. Number two, prophecy calls out that treasure and restores holiness to the church. When you go out on the street or even, and, and you speak a word of prophecy to someone, then if they are backslid or away from God, it the purpose of that prophecy to speak to them a word from heaven is to bring them back to a place of holiness and to bring them back to a place of living for God. Number three, the purpose of prophecy is we are looking for gold in the midst of dirt. And in Firestarters, you talked about looking for gold in people. And gold is always found with dirt. You, in fact, a gold mine is more dirt than it is gold. 
and we it, it and but you know i think we we are it's very easy as for us to see how horrible people are <laughs> hallelujah it's very easy for us to see the dirt neat in in other people's lives maybe it's not always so easy for us to see our own but it's very easy for us to see their faults and their shortcomings but it takes the eyes of god to see the gold in people's life and so that's one of the purposes of prophecy is that we call we find by revelation this is not just making stuff up. This is getting a revelation from God of the gold in somebody's life and calling out the gold versus pointing out their, their, their bad parts, the bad things in their lives, which most people already know those anyway. Hallelujah. Number four, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 24, and 25 that in the church service that if people are prophesying, that it discloses the secrets of men's hearts. That it will disclose, disclose the secrets of their hearts. I think that we've also kind of had a negative spin on that. I know I've had, like, okay, you're going to come in. Some sinner's going to come in. We're going to prophesy, and it's going to disclose the secrets of their heart. And let's go there, 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, won't take but a second to look at it. And we've thought that they would fall down and repent we actually thought that's what the scripture said but when we read it more closely it doesn't say that they're going to fall down and repent because we prophesy in the service verse first corinthians verse beginning in verse 24 of 14 but if all prophesy and there come in one that believeth not or one unlearned he is convinced of all he is judged of all and thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest and so falling down on his face, he will worship God, not repent, <laughs> hallelujah, but that he will worship God. And so this is for the pur prophecy is for the purpose of um, um, calling out people's destiny and what God sees in them that they don't even see themselves or maybe they once dreamed it but they thought they've backslid too far they went too far away and so that when we call those things out and are operating in prophecy in a church service that way well then that causes them to to just fall in love with god all over again and worship god uh number five prophetic ministry can change people's hearts we found that in first samuel nine twenty one. Uh, when, uh, uh, who was the prophet? Help me. Samuel. Samuel told Saul that he was going to anoint him king. Well, we know that Saul did not see himself in that way, that Saul had really a very poor self-image. And so the Bible says that the prophets prophesied and so forth, and the prophets were all prophesying, and that the spirit of prophecy came. And when the spirit of prophecy came, Saul was changed into another man and we can still see that happening today i know that there's been many times that we've received things by the prophetic word that have changed us for the good and for the better and i'm sure you have too in number six i added to some of these since last time so if you were taking notes last time i just messed up your notes really bad because i just got inspired but number six we know this is in first corinthians 14 3 it says, but he that prophesies speaking unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. That's King James Bible. I know that in some versions it says that a little different. But basically, edification means to build up. So it builds us up. Hallelujah. We all need to be built up. The Bible talks about building that we're to be building things all the time. We, we're not to be tearing down things. We're to be building things. The only thing we're to tear down is the works of the devil. And so building up and then exhortation is encouragement. Encouragement. And, and comfort is, of course, comfort or cheers people up. And much, much, much of the body of Christ need, right now needs to be cheered up. And also needs to be uh, ex exhortation. They need to be encouraged because there's been a great loss of hope. And there's lots more loss of hope coming. 
if you look at the world system, if your eyes are on the world, if your eyes are what's happening out there, they uncover something new every day, something, some scandal, some, something somebody lied about, cheated about, hid, you know, the condition of Afghanistan, the condition of Africa, the condition of this, and Egypt is this, and, you know, and if you read the Israeli news, if you get on one of those things like Debka or something, I mean, they're dodging rockets every day. And I mean, you know, you could just get all under that. And the, so the body of Christ needs to be encouraged to cheer up, to get your hope back. Because uh, remember, we're a glorious church. God's not coming back for a beat up church. Hallelujah. Our greatest hour. The Bible says, Arise, shine, for the light has come. And that when great darkness covers the earth, that's what makes our light shine even brighter. Amen? And so then number seven, I believe um, the uh, main purpose of prophecy that's been in my life, and you probably could fit this under number six, but I just want to spell it out more clearly, is that to jumpstart people into their destiny. I know that that has happened so many times. It jump starts us to a place that we need to pursue. It jump starts us to a place, to, a, to an area we need to pray about. There's been many a time a prophet has come to the church or just a man or woman of God that operated in and, and went out there on a, and spoke a prophetic word to us and it has caused us to pursue God. I remember in 1995 when we went to San Angelo to hear Mark Brzee, he gave us a word, said, I'm going to begin to change uh, your vision. I'm going to change your vision in three ways. He actually didn't say that, but that's what we heard. You know, sometimes you hear what you hear, even though they don't say it. But the Holy Ghost is like that. He speaks, you know, beyond what I'm capable of saying. And so... Uh, and I have people all the time come up to me and say, Miss Debbie, you told me so-and-so. And I go, really? I don't remember that. <laughs> Hallelujah. One little girl came told me like 10 years later said, you know, you told me at church that night that, I would go, that I'd go into labor that night. And I'd go, and I did. And I'm like, really? I didn't know I did that. If I'd have known, I, I should have known better than to say that. <laughs> but she did go into labor that night and had her baby. And so... Uh, Anyway, so the Holy Ghost speaks beyond sometimes what we, what we know we're saying. And that's one thing you can trust God to do with you as you take a risk and speak words of prophecy. But there's been many a time when it caused, it caused us to pursue. When Mark Bazee said that to us, we, we, we got on hot pursuit of what are you saying, God? You're saying something. What are you saying? And we began to pursue it and press and press and press and look for it. We were like that woman with the lost coin. We were sweeping and looking, and and, and that's what prophecy will do um, for you. It will jumpstart you into your destiny. And also it'll keep you steady in your destiny. We could keep that one under there too. When everything's going wrong and nothing on the outside looks right, those words of prophecy, that's, you know, Paul told Timothy with that, those words of prophecy, you will, you fight the good warfare with them. And when you're in the heat of the battle, take the words of prophecy and say, no way, devil, because my, de you know, the devil says, the doctor says you're going to die. You can say, nuh-uh, this prophecy isn't fulfilled. Hallelujah. God said this over me. The prophet of God said this over me. Hallelujah. Um, praise God. So we talked about how prophecy includes word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. It's not just one gift, but it's actually a, a, a conglomeration of gifts that really function in the same way. And you can't hardly tell where one ends and the other begins. In other words, I might start out giving you a word of knowledge, but it might flow into a prophetic word. Or if I speak in tongues and then interpret, the Bible says that's equal to prophecy. Amen. Hallelujah. So uh, we talked about three areas of ministries of the prophetic, and one is the prophetic culture. And that's one of the things we're after here is a the prophetic culture is like having a prophetic atmosphere where uh, there's a high level of prophetic anointing and that we have many people trained 
to to operate in the in in prophecy hallelujah and then of course the prophetic office which is Ephesians 4:11 uh the office of the prophet and the gift of prophecy then the the gift of prophecy found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 which is one of the nine gifts of the spirit and it's possible to operate in the in fact it's it's probable to operate in the gifts of the spirit of prophecy or just to be a kind of a prophetic person who a prophetic person is someone that has trained themselves say that with me train themselves train themselves or trained myself trained myself train themselves to operate in a high level of prophetic anointing or word of knowledge anointing or gifts uh, of healing anointing in other words they have uh, the prophetic people you have to train yourself to operate in the gifts of the spirit nobody can do that for you it's not something I don't if I brought you up here tonight and say I'm gonna impart the word a gift of word of knowledge to you and we could jump start some things possibly but you're still going to have to get in there and practice hearing from God and take a risk and miss it a few times hallelujah probably going to miss it you just can't hardly learn to ride a bike without missing it a few times you can't hardly learn to play football without making some mistakes you can't become a good golfer without hitting the dirt a few times is that right well, it's the same with the things of God. We practice, we practice, we practice. We, do, we train ourselves. We, we, we read the Word so that reading the Word makes us sensitive to God's voice. We practice listening. We get into quiet times with God where we just listen and see what the Holy Spirit's going to say. And we have to spend a lot of times listening to things that no, where He's not saying anything in order to hear sometimes when he does say something and he actually speaking more than we know but the practice comes in reeling our mind back in okay here my mind went over here and started folding clothes I gotta bring it over here here my mind went over here and started thinking where are we gonna go out to eat tonight after church you know and my mind I don't know about yours but it can think of a zillion things hallelujah and you know sometimes I just have to get up and do something to get it off my mind Sometimes I have to get up and write something down so I can think about what the Holy Ghost is saying. Because I'll sit there and think, I'm not going to think about this. I'm going to focus on God, and then I'll still think about it. You know, I'll worry. You know, hallelujah. And if somebody don't turn that heater down, y'all are going to see me peel another layer off. <laughs> hallelujah. And my hair stand on end. It's hot in here, is it? No, okay. Forget it. Hallelujah. Well, if you're really cold, grab my coat and... You cover up with it so I can be a little cooler. Okay. So uh, uh, so you can prophesy without being a prophet. Hallelujah. A five-fold ministry gift of prophet. It is impossible, we said last week, to sustain revival, to have a thriving prayer ministry, or to have a successful healing ministry without some degree of prophetic ministry. In other words, you've got to hear from God, or you're not ever going to be very successful at praying for the sick. You know, even in just corporate prayer, if we don't hear from God, we're just, it's going to get old, it's going to get boring. And also, you know, we can pray in the Spirit, but even that could get old. We need direction. We need, the Bible says pray in the English. We pray, not in English. It doesn't say pray in English. Pray with your understanding and pray in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Okay, um, the Bible talked about, and we talked this last week, that prophecy is not an award. It's not a reward for good behavior. We get prophecy because we ask. And so there's lots of people that ask, even baby Christians that are just getting started out. And maybe they're not very mature in the things of God, not very mature in the word. But God gives it. When we ask, God gives it to us. And so a lot of times they are out, they prophesy and we go, man, I've been in the church 50 years. Of course, we didn't ever ask really. And if we did, we didn't really believe. And, um, and and so here they are. They're just born again, and their character's not any good, not developed at all, you know. And maybe they don't know the word at all. And boy, we got three uh, three chapters out of every book memorized. And uh, but uh, but here they are flowing in the gifts because they ask. But with their gifts, 
their gifts, their gifts, their endowments, they're given, their gifts that are given. And so we don't earn them. Fruit of the spirit, on the other hand, is something that matures as we grow. It's something that grows and matures. And we do want, we do not, uh, we do not want to leave off the fruit of the spirit, but neither should we be so religious as to say, well, you can't operate in the gifts until you get all this fruit developed in your life. Hallelujah. And besides, we would never get there because sometimes, um, well, anyway, that takes a while, doesn't it? We spend our lifetime developing and growing fruit the rest of our life. Hallelujah. Until we see Jesus and he sets everything in order. Uh, let's go on over to where in my notes to we talked about some prophetic myths. Pro, and, and we found out that what most people believe about prophecy is a lot of time more of a myth than it is uh, something that scripture taught us. And sometimes myths are created by ministers, pastors that are trying to correct specific situations in their church and if, and especially if that thing gets passed down into f- the future and goes through years and everything, it can become a legalistic teaching that's shaping the whole church. But it was just intended maybe to correct one group of people that were, you know, doing something wrong. And so uh, we need to make sure that sometimes when we don't have to, we may have to make some corrections where prophecy are concerned, but we should not turn that into legalistic teachings that are passed to our kids and our grandkids and so forth. Number, myth number one, we covered this last time, but we'll go over it a little bit. We do not need the gifts of the Spirit. We need the fruit. And nothing could be further from the truth. We absolutely, desperately need the gifts of the Spirit. And it is pride. It is a spiritual, religious pride to say we do not need spiritual gifts. We, have, we, we are desperately need to manifest the power of the kingdom in order for God's kingdom to grow and to be advanced. If we don't manifest the power of kingdom, there's people that will go unsaved. There's people that will die early. We must. Hallelujah. There's people that have been wounded, bruised, hurt by abuse and horrible situations that will be that way forever unless somebody operates in God's power and helps them come out of it. And a major mission that we have in this church, this is our, we have a we have a couple of things that are our mission and one of them is to to grow God's family. Grow God's family. In other words, make the family bigger. We want to get we want the family to be bigger and we also want to mature God's family also. So we desperately need spiritual power. Uh, <clears throat> the word gift, we studied this is charismata. And uh, and some one person said this and I, I think this is right, that the word gift actually has hindered some of us. And some versions translate that endowment or or huh? grace, spiritual graces or spiritual endowments. But sometimes the word gift is a hindrance because we look at gift as like a toy kind of. Like a gift for Christmas for your children is a toy. Like it's frivolous. It's for fun. It's not really that important. It's not a necessity of life. And we often look at gifts like that. Well, you know, the gift at Valentine's. Now, some women say, oh, that's a necessity. But most people would say, you know, that chocolate, that's not necessary. And flowers, that's not necessary. Those are gifts. And we can kind of lump spiritual gifts under that. So endowments, enablements, empowerments. And actually, the Amplified Bible uses enablements and empowerments. These are not optional. It's like a soldier when we don't have the gifts of the Spirit operating, it's like a soldier with no ammunition. It's like soldiers, ammunition, handguns, grenades are not optional for a soldier. If we were to say, come join the army of the United States, but you're going to go to Afghanistan or Iraq or wherever, but there are no ammunition. There's no ammunitions. There's no, there's no guns. There's no hand grenades. They would nobody volunteer, would they? Nobody. I mean, we have to have our spiritual equipment. Myth number two, 
And you've heard, oh, man, I grew up on this in the charismatic early late we came in late charismatic days it was all but over and uh but this was seek the giver not the gifts how many ever heard seek the giver not the gifts uh and so this is gives this gives us the idea and certainly uh we are not seeking god just for gifts but this gives us the idea that to seek spiritual gifts is not biblically accurate when nothing could be further from the truth uh the bible says um in first corinthians uh 14 26 you're close if you're kept your bible open how is it then brethren uh uh-uh, that's not it where's the one that says let me get, look again no doesn't say all that uh, anyway, it says that we are to earnestly covet or desire spiritual gifts. Can you all find that? Hmm. Yeah. 1429. Let the... No. Okay. Okay. Hey, yeah, let's get over in 12. Yeah, let's get over in 12. That's a good plan. Okay, but covet earnestly. No, that's not it, but... <laughs> Anyway, that might be it. Maybe it is. 12.31, we'll count it that. Yeah, I have that rolled down. 1 Corinthians 12.31. Hallelujah, right there. Yeah, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Hallelujah. So I'm going to read to you from this book. I told you about this book last week. You may all prophesy. And it's a very good book by Steve Thompson, best book I ever wrote, read on prophecy. I want to read to you, and I'm going to read something that I think you're going to find very interesting about this, about Earnestly, di- earnestly desiring spir- spiritual gifts. That's what this is about. <clears throat> Jacob have I loved. Self- several years ago, I was complaining to the Lord about some of the strange people who come to our ministry because of our prophetic reputation. They had a prophetic culture going, don't they? People have arrived at our congregation and declared that God was going to take us home and give them our mantle for ministry. <laughs> Don't you love those pa- prophecies that say, the pastor's fixing to die and I'm going to be the pastor of this church. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, okay. <laughs> um, as I was telling the Lord how much I hated this kind of behavior, he spoke these words very clear to me. He said, I don't hate that, Steve. I love that kind of heart. And I'm like, really? Okay. He said, I was stunned. I was too when I read this book. Then the Lord quoted this scripture to me. Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Romans 9, 13. How could God love Jacob? Jacob lusted after the birthright that belonged to his brother. The biblical birthright represented spiritual blessing and authority. Jacob was so consumed with the desire to have spiritual blessing and authority that he was willing to deceive his own family to obtain it. How could God love someone who was so blinded by his lust for spiritual blessing and authority that he was willing to deceive his father to get it? This is offensive to our human ideas of proper behavior and motivation. But while it may offend us, God loves this kind of heart. God said that he loves those who so loved. The scripture could have read, Israel have I loved, but God said he loved Jacob. So Jacob was Jacob's name when he was still that usurper, supplanter, deceiver. That he loved Jacob using the name indicative of the lusting, deceiving man that Jacob was prior to his nature being changed. While we may judge those who hunger for God's power and authority as being extreme and unbalanced, God may be more pleased with them than those who appear humanly righteous, but who, like Esau, are complacent toward spiritual matters. Not only does Scripture say that God loved Jacob, it also says he hated Esau. There is no other record in Scripture of God hating someone. Esau was so preoccupied with the natural realm that he despised spiritual things. 
in our human reasoning, we esteem those we who are conservative. We esteem those who are, think about these words, conservative, balanced, and proper. God has a different standard. He hates the attitude of those who do not esteem his power, presence, or blessings as being worthy of their attention. From the time of man's creation, God has desired to share his nature, glory, and power. This was his original intention. He has longed for those who would so hunger and thirst for his power, presence, anointing, authority, and blessing that they would pursue him for it. Too many generations have been like Esau, despising the richness of God's blessings and setting their hearts on temporary things, forfeiting the opportunity to share in his glory and power. If we want to obtain all that God has for us and others, we must have the attitude of Jacob. Just as with Jacob, God will confront and deal with our character issues. But we must pursue the spiritual authority and blessings he has for us. Those blessings include the spiritual enablements God has provided for us to manifest his supernatural power. That is a lot that is life changing. And I have never understood before why the scripture said, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. But he loves those that are hot after God. I think too many times we 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 are we want to stay balanced. We're after balance. But let me ask you something. If fire is on this side and cold is on this side, what's in the middle? lukewarm and we have heard sermons preached about well you know don't get in this ditch and don't get in that ditch but stay in the middle of the road really how's that worked for us in the church not that good i suggest we go get in the ditch of god's power his fire i suggest we be radical i suggest that we be obnoxiously radical obnoxiously bold Risk takers. We had we were praying Monday night, and I believe it was Melissa that got a word about. She said she saw a an elephant in the room here, and uh, and then she says, and you know, an elephant is powerful. And then we discussed that. Yeah, an elephant's very powerful, but an elephant's also very. Uh, what did we say? Messy. Awkward. We said the me- you know revival is messy. It is awkward. It is not prim and proper. And the man in the three piece suit standing up here, and uh, you know, and he's the only one that can prophesy. I had somebody tell me this recently. They said, well, you know, we don't want to teach our people to do that. We want to keep it kind of up at the front because you know it might. You don't know it could get weird. They could say something weird. I don't. I might have used to been that way, but I don't. I want every one of you equipped. And if you say something weird, we'll say, Laquina, that was weird. <laughs> but, it prob- but I found out that God's kind of weird. And that probably what we think's weird is probably a lot of times God. Like when he said, Isaiah, take off your clothes and walk naked in the streets for three years because my people are not getting the message. Or when he told Ezekiel, I want you to start cooking your food on human dung because my people, uh, uh, I forget what, what the purpose was, but they weren't here and they weren't right. Israel wasn't right. And, and, his, and Ezekiel was like, no way. <laughs> and he said, well, okay, you can use cow dung. I mean, the Lord let him, you know, but you're cooking your food on cow dung because we're giving Israel a sign and and so I'm not afraid anymore and I tell you I listen to some people that I used to listen to and I go I am so bored it's like get something new get a new sermon get a new word from heaven when is the last time anybody in our camp wrote a book I want to send a prophecy out. You are dead. You have left your first love. Wake up. And you are also a control freak. I'm not trying to be ugly, but I mean, this controlling everything and everybody, and boy, you ought not to listen to them, and them people are weird, and you know, we got cut off. 
from a lot of stuff that was good stuff in the body of Christ. Bob Jones, the prophet of God, went home to be with God February 14th. I don't even know who he is. I mean, I know now, but I'm like, well, I never heard Bob Jones. Well, yeah, because we shunned that part of the body of Christ. I, I think anybody that shunned in any part of the body of Christ, and I can say this because I used to be right in there with all four feet, I think they're wrong. If we're, and I mean even the Baptists, I'm not shunning them. I tell you what, but you know, especially. Now I think their doctrine's false. But they're still our brothers and sisters in Christ. But the spirit-filled body of Christ, we ought to be all as one. We ought to be all in unity. Part of it's a power grab. And it's unbelief and it's fear that somebody else is going to get more money than you're getting in your ministry. Ooh, man. I know y'all don't need this. Y'all know y'all don't need this. But anyway, we'll say it. And pastor can correct it all next Sunday morning. Hallelujah. If he choose, so chooses. Thank you, Lord. And so, hallelujah. Myth number three. Seeking spiritual gifts is selfish. Well, you know, certainly there are people with motives. I think too many times we're trying to correct people's motives instead of let God correct their motives. And so our motives could be wrong if we're trying to be important or something. But it's kind of hard to be selfish giving somebody else a spiritual gift. In other words, I give you a prophecy, it's hard for me to be selfish about that. Unless I was just making it up, try to get somebody to, you know. But spiritual gifts are given to minister to others, so it's really hard to be selfish. Turn to Philippians, and we want to go over to Philippians right now and read a scripture. And I'm, uh, I'm sorry if I offended you if I get so wound up, but I'm passionate about this. I want the body of Christ to go on with God. Hallelujah. Before it's too late, before Jesus comes back. Philippians 1.15. Paul writing to the church at Philippi, and he says, uh, Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. So there's some people preaching Christ, and they've got bad motives. Verse 17. But the others are the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. So what he's saying here, some versions may say it a little more clearly, but what he's saying here is, is if Christ is preached, what does it matter? Whether it's for a bad motive or a good motive, he said, I just rejoice that Christ is preached. What does it matter? And sometimes I think we try to shut down things because we're trying to fix people's motives instead of letting God deal with them. Uh, Myth number four, asking for spiritual gifts opens us to demonic deception. Now, every one of us have been subject to this. If, if, if we weren't told this in a service, in church, in, in a class, we were told it by the devil. He whispered in, in, in his ear ourselves. He does not want us to go after spiritual gifts. He's my, hallelujah. So, so this is a common teaching in spirit-filled churches that going for spiritual gifts will open you to demonic deception. Trying to enter into the presence of God will open you to deception and you you could get a devil you could get a you could see a devil and he could jump on you and take you over and take you out for life and so that has been a common thing that has been uh, taught let's go to Luke 11 hope I didn't scare any of you a while ago think I was going to have an out of body experience huh <laughs> he trusts the Lord. You better trust the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he said unto them, Luke eleven five, which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine 
in his journey is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. But I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened unto you. And every one that asketh receiveth, and he that receiveth findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you, that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If these, if them being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? You know, people cross our paths, and unless we have something from Father, many of them have such huge tremendous problems that we literally have nothing to give them in other words there's no counsel we could give that we could if if they're addicted to drugs or they're you know they have tremendous wounds or hurts there's nothing in the natural that we have to offer so we have to have something supernatural uh to give them and in this teaching jesus indicated that if we would ask for a friend because a friend had need of something, he would give us as much as we needed for that friend. He wants to give us as much as we need in order to help people who are bound, hurting, wounded. He wants to give us the supernatural. I want you to notice that he, when he goes down and he says, now if you ask for bread, I'm not going to give you a stone. The three things he says if you ask for, bread, and then what was the second one? Fish, bread, fish, and egg are all something to eat. So if you ask for something to feed your friend, Father, I need something to feed this friend who's bound. I need something to give this person who needs help. He's not going to say no. And he is, first of all, and he said he will guarantee that you will not receive uh, a stone, a scorpion, or a, a, a serpent. And all of those three things represent something that represent, they represent something of the devil. They stand for evil things or de demonic things. So God's guaranteeing us here that if we'll ask him, help us help somebody, that he'll give us as much as we need to help them, to set them free, and he'll guarantee that he, he, we won't get something of the devil. Hallelujah. Um, <clears throat> and he implores us here. He says, ask and keep on asking. Knock and keep on knocking. He will not allow us to receive something demonic. We can trust God's goodness and his protection. The problem is in the body of Christ is we've developed, I wouldn't say here, I'm talking about in a lot of parts of the body of Christ. We have more faith in the devil's ability to deceive us than we have in God's ability to protect us and to keep us. But we should have great faith that the devil, it would be impossible for the devil to deceive us. And besides all that, in this church and in our camp, we have spent our entire last 40 years putting so much word in so that we could guarantee that we couldn't get deceived about something, that we wouldn't have something that was against the word. Hallelujah. So... I, w I just would challenge you tonight that we, uh, we get to the place where we are highly developed in God's. We just launch out there. We, we have no fear to enter into the throne room of grace boldly, to go into heaven, look around, let God show us what heaven's all about. He wants to, he wants to show us things. He wants to show us things to come. Well, a lot of things to come are in heaven. Hallelujah. He, he, uh, and, 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 and not be, have any fear 
any fear that the devil's going to be able uh, to deceive us, but have totally trust, have total trust in God's keeping power. Let's finish this myth number five. Only few special people are called to prophesy. We've covered that pretty good tonight. Uh, and I think that, you know, that wall has been, been is being broken down uh, in the body of Christ, even as we speak. But, you know, in trying to keep things under wraps, I guess it was pretty much promoted that everything needs to come from the pulpit. Everything's, and certainly there should be things in church where we don't stand up in the middle of the service while pastor's preaching and interrupt. But on the other hand, that not not just the fivefold ministry is able to minister and to prophesy. In fact, that goes against uh, uh, First. Um, Ephesians chapter 4 where it says that the purpose of the fivefold ministry is to um, train and equip the saints for the work of the ministry and that doesn't just mean to mop the floors although yeah that's a part of it we are all still going to have to do the ministry of helps that must be done all the things the ministry of helps must be done but it shouldn't be limited to that we should be ministering and children's church should be as a dynamic of ministry as as we're having on Sunday morning and even exceeding it and uh and the same in nursery it should be powerful straight across and uh hallelujah so the fivefold ministry in fact one of the main jobs of the prophet is not just to prophesy to the congregation, but the main job of the prophet is to equip them to hear God so that they don't have to have a prophet every time they need to hear something from God. So that's part of the job. The prophets uh, teach us to hear God and to understand. Um, we should not... Uh, we we have attached in the past special status to someone who becomes proficient in any spiritual gift. But spiritual gifts are developed and become proficient because people practice and that's what they're interested in. They have a hunger for it and they pursue it. Hallelujah. Randy Clark, for instance, we watched him and he's one. He goes all over the world uh, ministering to the sick. I just watched something today where he was, he had a big healing meeting in in uh, Redding, California. He just had a big healing meeting in Chattanooga last weekend and uh, wanted to go, but that wasn't working out. And so, um, and uh, Bill Johnson was there and I forget who all, but he had this big healing meeting. And But in the one in Reading, he is ministering. And the whole time he's ministering to the sick. He doesn't ever even get to preach, even though it said he was going to teach, he was going to preach. I, and I was listening to it to hear the sermon, but he ministers the whole time. And he's ministering by word of knowledge, but he, it's just amazing how proficient he was. And he just he would just keep on. And I'm like, I would have already gone to the next word of knowledge. And he was just like, no, you're 80% healed. We're going for all of it. And we're going to take the time. And God wants us to do this and I'm like man he is so smart of how to do it but he actually says he has no gift of healing that he th that he knows of he, he does never been told by God he had one and he has none that he knows of he just has practiced and took a risk just practice he was a Baptist preacher now he's got graduated from Baptist theologically theological cemetery well yeah I didn't mean to say that Actually, he got kicked out because he got a divorce, but then they let him back in for some reason. I can't remember. Anyway, <laughs> they told him, they kicked him out because his wife left him, his first wife left him, and told him to go to law school. But somehow he wheedled his way back in. And so he's this dynamic healing minister, but he says he has no gift. So that just means we can do anything he does. We just hadn't, we just hadn't practiced enough. And sometimes we sit around wondering if we have a gift, waiting on God to give us a gift, and we need to just get busy using what we've got, which one of the things we all have, everybody in here, how many are baptized in the Holy Ghost? Everybody in here, you got the Holy Ghost in you, you've got all nine gifts of the Spirit living inside of you. When are you going to start practicing them? Practice at home prophesying. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I'll stop there. Hallelujah. I want to practice tonight. The Lord told me, I said, Lord, give me something for tonight. Give me a prophecy for somebody. And he said, why don't you do what you're telling them to do? Why don't you just stand one of them up and launch out? 
So if you want a word tonight from the Lord, don't. I just want two people. I don't have all night here. Hallelujah. If you need a word from the Lord tonight, you gotta have it. You're you're got you're got you're gonna go under if you don't. Come on, somebody. Don't no, you can be greedy. Be greedy. Be be a Jacob. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for Leanne. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Well, I just keep seeing boats here lately. And uh, I saw you. Now I see you, and you're paddling a boat, and you're paddling in a circle. And you've just been paddling around in a circle. Paddling around in a circle. And... Um, You've kind of gotten yourself hung up on, well, I can't go on until I finish this, or I've got to get this done. And so you just keep paddling around in that circle. And God says he wants you to uh, forget those things that lie behind, and he wants you to break out of that circle that you've been paddling in and launch out uh, into fresh new waters because... Uh, there's always going to be something to do. Always going to be something you're not finished with and you need to catch up on and something somebody wants you to do or, or we need to settle this. There's always going to be that forever. And he, so the Lord's saying, if you will launch out, it's going to be, he said, I'm going to put a, a, um, a motor like a, and not just a trolling motor, that one of them little bitty things, but like a outboard motor. He's going to put an outboard motor on the back of your boat and you are going to be able to zoom and I just see you in that boat and you are just putting the, the throttle down and you are just zooming and you are just laughing and going so fast and the wind's just blowing your hair back. Hallelujah. And God says you, you, are, you, can, you can just get right in if you will jump in right now. But if you just keep going in a circle, it's going to pull you down further. Kind of like, you know, a vortex that you would go down further. So just make up your mind right now. And Lord, we just release that anointing for her to break free and to, 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 to just come out of the paddling in a circle. Lord, we ask you right now to put that motor on her boat and she... Launches out for great things and all her destiny. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord.